the 31st chapter of the Quran is called Luqman and it's a Meccan surah which means that it was revealed during the first 13 years so any Meccan chapter doesn't necessarily mean it was revealed in Mecca it could have been revealed in Medina or in other parts of the peninsula so when you say Meccan it means it was prior to Hijrah alright so this this was prior to Hijrah, and it's important because the rules obviously change. Uh, things change when the Prophet ﷺ moves from Mecca to Medina. And so it's one of the most important things about chapters and, and verses to know whether they're Meccan or whether they're Medinan or Mecki or Medini. Luqman, there's a different opinion about who he was, but some people, some of the Mufassirun say that he was Aesop who's known in the Western tradition for his fables, particularly about uh, animals, Aesop's fables. And Aesop, it's something in this culture that you read your children, and they're, they're actually very wise stories, and they usually have uh, a moral at the end. So it'll say the moral of the story. Aesop would always tell the moral. And the idea of stories as being sources of morality is as ancient as humans have been telling stories because the purpose of a story was always to have some type of moral resolution. And one of the things about modern stories is they don't have moral resolutions. So what you're dealing with is nihilism, which is the idea that there are no absolute values in the world, that everything's relative. So you'll have stories, modern stories, where the criminals are actually the heroes of the stories. And the criminals will actually be the ones that, that benefit at the end of the story. Uh, traditionally, that was never acceptable. In melodrama, you had a resolution of good overcoming evil. And in tragedy, you had the idea of moral ambiguity, uh, that a tragic hero had a flaw. Usually in, in Greek tradition, it was called hubris, which was overweening pride. And that hubris would cause that tragic hero to have a downfall. But there was always a, a moral, and the moral was that pride will, will destroy you. So if you look at, for instance, Shakespeare, Shakespeare is constantly teaching in his tragedies ethics, but he teaches it through negative example. He shows you uh, what doing bad will do or what moral flaws the, the effect that they'll have on your, on your life. So the Quran says that we tell you the best stories, Ahsan al-Qasas. And the stories are always about those who stand with the truth and those who stand against the truth. And if you're standing for neither, then according to the Quranic worldview, you're basically against the truth because you have to take a position in life. It's the nature of life. You have to take a position. You can't sit on the fence that we're in an ethical world and there are choices and the choice that you make is going to determine the outcome of your life but also the outcome of your next life. And choice is centered in the heart. It's not necessarily an action. It can actually be a position that you take in your heart. So you might not actually have to do anything but your heart has to be with the truth. And that is exemplified in people that are oppressed and have no power to change their condition. 
but they have a power to change how they respond to their conditions internally. And that's what the Prophet said, if you see wrong and you can't change it, you have to still reject it in your heart. And he said, and there's no faith after that, that you don't have any iman. So Luqman is one of the stories we're told in the Quran. Whether he was Aesop or not is it's not definitive, but that is one position. Some say he was a freed slave from Abyssinia. Some say that he was a king. I mean, there's different versions, but the important thing is that he was given wisdom, and that's what uh, we're being told. It begins Adif Lam Mim, like the beginning of Baqarah, and the Huruf al Muqatta'a, which is what they're called, these are letters that we don't know what they mean. That's always struck me as one of the most powerful proofs of the Qur'an is the fact that it begins with phonemes that we don't know what they mean. Because I just think the idea of somebody thinking of that is so unusual to begin a book with, with phonemes. And the point of beginning a book with phonemes is it's a rejection of the modern linguistic theory that all of language is based upon meaningless sounds. This is the modern linguistic theory that, that phonemes are meaningless and they only become meaningful when coupled. So for instance, da has no meaning and uh has no meaning and ge has no meaning. But if you say dog, it becomes meaningful. So the idea that the base of language is, is meaningless well, this is in a sense a refutation of that because what it's saying is these phonemes have meaning, but you don't know what they are. And there's a hadith in which the Prophet uh, a man was moaning. And, you know, there's some weakness in the chain, but the, the meaning is very profound, I think, in this light. A man was moaning. And one of the sahaba, the companions of the Prophet said, stop moaning. Kuf anka, you know. The, the moaning, and the Prophet ﷺ said, don't tell him to do that because he's calling on a name from the names of God. So the idea of moaning when you're in pain, and that's one of the meanings of awah in the Quran. It says Ibrahim was awah, and the awah is somebody yata'awah, that they, uh, uh, that they have this moaning or this. So the idea that, that sounds are meaningful, that sounds are not meaningless, and that's a very interesting reason for the fact that several of the chapters of the Qur'an begin with these sounds that we don't know what they mean, but we know they have a meaning. Because it is impossible for Allah, or, or rather it is inconceivable that Allah would mention something, uh, put something in the Qur'an that was meaningless. We don't believe that. So it begins by Arif Lamim, Tirka Ayatul Kitab al-Hakim. These are signs from a wise book. These are signs from a wise book. And Ayat, we know that signs are in the self and on the horizon. In other words, there are signs outside of you and there are signs inside of you. And what the human being is, is he is a decoder of signs. That is why we are unique. Animals cannot decode signs. Human beings are capable of seeing symbols and understanding that they're symbolic of something else. So that is what is unique about the human being, is that we are decoders of signs, and every sign signifies something. And the ultimate sign is the universe. This is the big sign is the universe. Well, what does it signify? 
the Muslims believe that it signifies that there's no God but Allah. And that's the lesson to be learned from all of these signs is that this entire universe is alam. The word in Arabic for world is the same word that we get sign from, alam. So alam, the world, is, is something that is known. Now, who knows the world? Alim, the knower, which is what the human being is capable of doing, of becoming a knower, a Gnostic, somebody who has knowledge as opposed to ignorance. And then it says hudan wa rahma, hudan, guidance, and mercy. And, and they go together because guidance is a mercy. Guidance is a mercy. This book has guidance in it. In other words, again, this is the idea of opposites, that you have error and deviation and you have guidance, huda. And guidance and, and mercy go together, just as error and the opposite of mercy go together also. Because when you're in deviation, you're in a situation that is painful. And people that deviate other people, in a sense, are doing something that's very harmful to them, which is the opposite of what mercy is, because mercy is riqqa and itaf. It's something that occurs in the heart, which is a type of broken. Riqqa is something that indicates that the heart is soft and easily moved. And what mercy is, it's that element in the human being that moves him or her to help somebody else, to alleviate their suffering, to alleviate their struggling. And that's why the most powerful example of mercy is the mercy of a mother to a child. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ, when he gave an example of God's mercy, he used the analogy of the mother and the child. And he said, once they saw a woman was breastfeeding her child, and the Prophet ﷺ said, do you see this child? And the companion said, yes. And he said, do you think she would throw her child into the fire? And they said, she would never do that. And then he said, Allah is more merciful to his servants than that mother with her child. So that's the analogy. Now, the other analogy he gave us was that God has a hundred parts of mercy with him. And only one he has sent down to the earth. The other 99 he retained in his presence. And that one, he said, is the mercy that from it a, a mare will not step on her foal. So even a horse, a, a female horse, a mare, will not put her foot on her foal out of mercy. That's a mercy. And it's, she is inspired to do that. But that's from the mercy of God. So every mercy you see in the world is from the mercy of God. But you should know that all the mercy in the world, since the beginning of time till the end of time, is only one portion of a hundred portions. And the other 99 have been reserved for the day of judgment. Right? And that's why Imam Busiri says, that perhaps the mercy of my Lord when he distributes it in the next world comes in accordance with the need of the wrongdoer for the mercy. So the more you need, the more is apportioned to you. So it's a hudan wa rahma lil muhsinin for the people who do good.
the book benefits the people of Ihsan. And Ihsan are the people who are, the opposite of these people are, are the Mufsidun, the people that sow corruption. The people of Ihsan are the people that, the word literally means the beauty makers. I mean, if, if you took a literal meaning, Hasuna means beautiful, Ahsana means to make beautiful. But the idea there is that in aesthetic theory, beauty is harmony. Just as ugliness is disproportionate. In other words, the reason that we like things in proportion, even if you see a face, a face, if you, if you see a face in which there's been a stroke and half of the face is, is drooping, there's something troublesome looking at a face that, that that's happened to uh, because of the lack of proportion. It's the same if an eye is, one eye is above the other. I mean, these things strike people or, or a one-eyed person or a one-handed person these, because the, there's a loss of proportion. So beauty, in a sense, is the idea of harmony and proportion. And that is what the people of Ihsan, they are maintaining balance in the world. They're the people that are keeping things in their proper proportions.